This week on Show Me Your News, Flood, Pokemon Stadium 2, and my music. We cover them all in this week's rundown. For those of you wanting the Mario Tornator to stay as down B, you are unfortunately mistaken. Flood takes that spot, giving more recognition to Super Mario Sunshine. Is this a letdown? What gameplay aspect is rather quite intriguing with this attack? We've seen it in no so many screenshots to date, but we finally got some more information with Pokemon Stadium 2. What stands out in the screenshots we've seen? What's different about it compared to the Melee model? And what controversial issues are already being brought up with this stage? In the Music Buff's Dream update, My Music dropped at the end of the week with two attached songs. What's fascinating about the music work that the composers are really doing? Does this update detract any significance to those songs already released? And what about the CD item? This week on Who's In, Sariku Uchiha is bringing out the big guns. The top three remaining heavy hitters get the Sariku review in a section that's the longest and most in-depth Who's In yet. Definitely check it out. This week's Brawl Viewpoint comes to us from Snacks and centers around the Subspace Emissary. We've seen a lot so far regarding the adventure mode for Brawl, but Snacks recaps what we know so far, how everything might tie together, and what we just might see in the future. It's certainly worth a listen. Masahiro Sakurai, I implore you to... Show me a news! This is Show Me Your News, a Super Smash Bros. Brawl discussion podcast. All support comes from Smash World Forums at smashboards.com and from the Smash Brothers blog at www.smashbrawl.com. And now, here's your host Yoko with What's good, Smash fans? Welcome to Show Me Your News, your weekly weekend podcasting source for capping the biggest news in anticipation of Super Smash Bros. Brawl. My name is Yoko, and I'm here this week to go over the news from the past week for you all in audio format. Today is September 9th, and this is week 10 of the podcast. That's right, we're hitting double digits. Check out the U of M bi-weekly thread in the Midwest Tournament Forum. If you're in the area, I'll be making appearances there from time to time throughout the year if you want to meet the man behind Show Me Your News. And beat him in Melee while you're at it. And check out Show Me Your News on the Smash Brothers blog at smashboards.com smyn. Thanks to our wonderful moderator support over at Smash World Forums. So let's get things started for this week and dive right on into... The Rundown. On to those updates that didn't make the cut. Monday gave us a movie from the Subspace Emissary called Pit's Descent. This is simply going to be used as a transition cutscene to the next part of the story, so it's not really worth much now, but then again, it's always nice to see anything Brawl-related in motion. Basically, Pitt's watching the end of the battle where the stadium gets engulfed in subspace, where he is then summoned by Palutena. Just like the screenshot from day one of the subspace emissary, the Goddess of Light gives Pitt his sacred bow and orders him, silently of course, to attack the subspace army. Pitt then spirals down towards the earth as his oh-so-synthesized theme music plays. Again, nice overall, but not too splendid of an update. 
Diddy Kong's special moves took center stage Tuesday, with Peanut Pop Gun being the standard special and Rocket Barrel Boost for the up special, much like the boards predicted. I had two problems though. One, Sakurai already mentioned that these would be special moves of some sort. So yes, we did get screenshots, but this update was epic fail in comparison to Link's special moves. Second, both of these moves have drawbacks, which is really unfortunate for a character such as Diddy. If you charge the peanut pop gun too much, it can explode. Plus, the rocket barrel boost, although chargeable, can detach and fly off at times if you're attacked. Sure, sometimes a small peanut will pop out of the gun that you can eat, regaining minor health, but is that really fair compensation for two broken moves? And by broken, I mean busted broken. Like, why are these moves allowed to backfire like this, broken? It was a long time coming, but Meta Knight finally got his character update on Wednesday. This was actually rather disappointing though, to be honest. Not only was Wednesday the day of the private Nintendo meeting that failed, but the only things that we learned from the update were that Meta Knight now has an M logo on his left shoulder, and that Sakurai is being secretive to the point that it's a little aggravating. Was there a reason Meta Knight was delayed for so long? Oh, well, according to Sakurai, his introduction was delayed for some reason. Just great. I guess it's almost better not to ask with his creation, since he'll be modest about it anyway, and that's all that really can be said about this. So let's move on to the good stuff. Thursday was a dual update day, which are always very pleasant to come across. The first of these was entitled, Mario Special Moves. Now Mario's specials haven't changed since day one of Smash, and we thought that idea would carry over to Brawl. Well, we were sadly mistaken, and we obviously didn't realize how much of an importance Sakurai is putting on the GameCube title known as Super Mario Sunshine. For his down special, Mario will whip out the Flood, the backpack looking device that allows Mario to spray water at his foes. Sakurai left us with some very juicy tidbits though regarding the intricacies of this move, and there are two in particular that a lot of us took extra special notice of. The first was Sakurai's claim of, it does absolutely no damage, it's just for sending opponents great distances. Has there ever been an actual physical attack in Smash that does absolutely no damage? I mean come on, Luigi's taunt even does some damage in melee. Honestly, this attack better really send your opponents flying to make up for it. Either way, it's just most likely going to be used as some sort of stall that tournament players will use and abuse. Also, even though it's not specifically stated, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see the aim tilting mechanism return for this attack, as it has been in use for most projectiles. This would obviously give the Flood much more diversity in terms of attack patterns than just a straight on shot, but that's a given already. The second claim of Sakurai's is far more interesting, however, as he announces that you can even charge it up while shielding. Okay, now this is just nuts. There was definitely nothing like this in any Smash game before. If the attack strength is still respectable without it being charged up, we're definitely going to be seeing a new strategy when it comes to Mario mains, and let me be the first to call it shield flooding. Use your shield, charge up the attack if you want, or just wait until the assault's over and give the foe a quick down B to bring out the flood. Sure, it won't be widely used as shield grabbing, that's obvious, but for Mario mains, I could see this becoming an integral strategy. The fact that the Mario Tornado is still going to stay only adds icing on the cake. Since that technique is used in recovery, that should probably remain the same, so there is no need to complain about this new special move. I'd like to see other characters have shield charging moves though, but knowing Sakurai, he'll only implement it on a few characters for balance purposes. Regardless, Mario has been middle of the road for quite some time now, and with this new move in his arsenal, he's getting a fresh look and making a push in his quest for a higher tier.
Electric, ground, flying, and ice. Forget water, grass, fire, and rock, Pokemon Stadium 2 brings us a whole new playing field with different field types, and we got our first official look at it as the second update on Thursday. Up until now, we've been seeing screenshot after screenshot of the neutral stage, and that was all fine and good, but Pokemon Stadium is all about the different types of fields that the stage changes into. The biggest news with the stage, though, is that Pokemon will appear in the background, mostly for player enjoyment, but also just to add that feel to the stage, like what was done with Smashville and Animal Crossing characters. The ice stage is up first in terms of analysis. What happens here is obviously a no-brainer. The terrain is going to be slippery as if characters were on <gasps> ice. The textures look really great, but unfortunately it's taken at such an angle that we can't really see which Pokemon are going to be in the background for this shot. I personally would like to see some Generation 3 characters from Ruby and Sapphire though. These games introduced a couple interesting ice types in Snorunt and Sphiel, and their respective evolved forms would make great additions as well. In addition, Generation 3 could also use more representation, aside from Groudon and Deoxys already being Pokeball characters. As to who will be included for this stage, though, for sure, we can't say yet. We can only hope. The ground stage is up next, and there really seems to be no gimmicks with this one. There's a large amount of dirt in the stage accompanied with a shovel and a wheelbarrow, and we get a glimpse of two Generation 1 Pokemon. We can see Dugtrio and Cubone in this screenshot, but it's uncertain if they will even do anything actually. Yes, yes, those of you who wanted your beloved Cubone as a playable character, it seems those hopes have been officially dashed. Although I'll give you this, he does look pretty mischievous all alone up on that ledge. Maybe the background Pokemon characters will play some minor importance, but at what cost? After all, the more outside interference you have, the more tournament players will become bothered, especially since this is a reincarnation of a neutral stage from Melee. Finally, we got a screenshot of the flying stage, a variation with giant windmills and trampolines. It seems Sakurai is messing with the game's physics with this version of the stage, however, as he claims that everyone's jump abilities will get boosted. And that really becomes obvious when you look at the height at which all the characters are battling. This really will be a lot of fun, I really just can't wait for it. As for the Pokemon in this stage, we can clearly see Skarmory, a steel and flying type from Generation 2, Gold and Silver. On the Smash Brothers blog though, Zinc pointed out what might be a Drifloon, which is a ghost and flying type from Generation 4. Especially with picture evidence that supports it, it's very intriguing indeed. The significance of this, obviously, is that if Sakurai will use Generation 4 Pokemon in the game, potentially as playable characters, specifically Lucario. However, because of the Drifloon is so small, it seems only a chance at best at the moment, but it's definitely something to keep your eyes on. We didn't get any electric stage screenshots, but I'm definitely excited to see some in the future. For those of you wondering about any Yoko factoids or tidbits, my favorite Pokemon of all time is Raichu. While I'm not foolish enough to start Raichu for Brawl threads, the fact is that there will be background Pokemon on an electric stage, and that gives me some hope to see him in a cameo there. Personally, I think it's highly plausible, since Pikachu and Pichu have already reached the pinnacle of character inclusion with a playable roster spot in a Smash game. Even still, the main controversial point that obviously has to be discussed is the tournament legality of the stage. I suppose it all really comes down to how drastic the slipperiness of the ice stage, or how unbalanced things can become in the air on the flying stage. Pokemon Stadium from Melee did have, have type variations, as we all know, but none of these caused any drawbacks at all, so it became a neutral tournament stage. It's all going to come down to how fair the stage is to play, and since we simply haven't played it yet, we won't know for sure. All in all though, Pokemon Stadium 2 has certainly made a lot of changes with new stage types and involving background Pokemon, but they at least have kept the stage formula, so to speak, true. Personally, I just wish it could be called Pokemon Coliseum 
and not just stick a two on the name. But you know, that's just me. Yup, I heard it from several of you. Man, Yoko, you must have really loved Friday's update. The Brawl theme song, Pokemon Stadium Evolution, and my music. What's a self-confessed music buff like you to do? Yes, Friday's update was just about the pinnacle of music awesomeness for yours truly. And I have several things to say about this one, so get ready, because here we go. We all remember this song. We could probably sing it off the top of our heads if we were given the chance. Sure, we don't know what these words are and what their translations from Latin mean, but Sakurai sure does, and he's not telling. This is just a great song in my opinion, and it's perfect for Brawl's theme. It's epic enough to hopefully reflect what the game will be, and it's memorable enough to get in your head just like you could do with Menu 1 from Melee. Sakurai as a lyricist, though, is just amusing to me. I mean, could the lyrics really be something like this? I am the best Pongju noobs Make you read updates Give me your cookie please I mean that would be total nonsense right there Especially that last line But we don't know if Sakurai wants a cookie Although we very well might And I'm gonna put it out there December 9th the final episode of Show Me Your News Featuring my brawl review the easter egg at the end will be a return of Yoko Barbershop Quartet with this song. You can hold me accountable to that one. The Pokemon song though is just mediocre to me I guess. Yeah I could tell you where the original song for this comes from etc etc and I remember it so, but is this really a good selection for Pokemon Stadium? I don't know how it'll blend with an intense battle personally for me. Honestly, it comes from you just being in a gym in Pokemon Red and Blue. Not battling or anything intense, just existing. Although I'll admit, this one has a more orchestrated feel to it, but it still reeks of MIDI. Now this, this was awesome. The evolution music involved in Smash? Ingenious. What could even be more ingenious though, if they are using MIDI, is if they could cue this up to someone activating a final Smash. Can you imagine how sweet that would be? Just wrap your mind around that, it might take a while. Truthfully though, the My Music update just made the entire week for me. We're not talking about one or two songs per stage anymore. We're talking about four songs per stage at least. This just blows my mind. I mean, yes, the musicians are going to make this game great, but I don't think any of us had the idea that the soundtrack would be this great. Was this perhaps because we are stuck in our ways of a default stage song and occasionally an alternate? Yeah, perhaps. But the fact that you can customize the list of songs so you can edit the frequency of play is pretty much a dream come true, especially with the now confirmed huge repertoire of songs that will be used. People have mentioned though that with so many songs for stage, does it really now detract from the songs we've heard already in terms of what they could mean for character inclusions and the like? Absolutely it does. Really though, not that the songs meant anything seriously to begin with, 
but the vast number of songs that will be used now has to take away from the impact of some of these songs. Nothing comes to mind more than Ridley's boss battle music. Sure, it doesn't hint at Ridley's inclusion in the slightest, but it's going to be used simply because it's one of the most famous and recognizable Metroid pieces, as will several others, not because it's the Space Dragon's theme song. The screenshots have gotten me really excited for some of the songs that will be included, though. First, the Bridge of Elden shot hints at Dark World from Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. And then we have Delfino Plaza, which as a guitar player, I just love. What song am I looking forward to being in the game though, you ask? Well, I think it has to be Corneria from the original Star Fox on the Super Nintendo. Come on, the very first level of the franchise? It just has to be represented in Brawl, if you ask me. But enough with these music samples. We'll be able to acquire these tracks through CDs, which will somehow be able to be picked up somewhere throughout the game. How and in which modes? We have no idea, but if you see a CD, for the love of all that is holy, get it. Or don't. But you know I will be. The only downside of this update is that pretty much confirms the fact that SD card usage for music will not be in Brawl. After all, it would be ridiculous if they did allow it with all the musicians pouring in so much hard work just to be replaced with whatever you listen to these days. So, in fact, for most Nintendo fanatics, that's a good thing, because we'd probably be just listening to video game soundtracks anyway. And trust me, you know it's true. That does it for the rundown. Now it's time for Sariku Uchiha's character analysis with... Who's in? This week on Who's In, Sariku brings out the heavy hitters in the longest, most in-depth Who's In yet. Over to you, Sariku. Welcome, Smashers, new or old. This is Who's In. If you're new to the podcast, this is a bi-weekly character speculation segment featuring possible newcomers and veteran fighters alike. With Sakurai unveiling newcomers at a faster rate than expected, I decided to get some of the biggest hitters out of the way, so the session might be a little longer than usual. Let's start it off with a very likely new character. Who is it? Everyone's favorite psychic, Lucas, from the Earthbound Mother series. Rumor has it that Lucas is supposed to be in Melee, replacing Ness, but due to rush time, he unfortunately didn't appear. But why replace Ness? Lucas is the main character in Mother 3, which was never released in the Americas, but only in Japan, in April 2006. Some of Ness's moves are said to belong to Lucas and Melee. So if all this is true, is it right to say goodbye to Ness and hello to Lucas? For me personally, it would be very sad to let Ness go. Even if you don't really like him, after 8 years it's kinda got stuck in you that Ness is a part of Smash. 
Letting this Lucas, Lucas kid replace them would be a very heartbreaking thing. But on the other side of the argument, it is really Lucas's moves and abilities, so he should be the one to show them off. Which side are you on? Regardless of your decision, in the wonderful world of Smashboards, it appears that people have decided this argument is set in stone. That Lucas will replace Ness, all because of that silly rumor. But the truth is, it hasn't. Sakurai has in no way, shape, or form said that Ness is out. Yes, Earthbound 3 being cancelled is supposedly another reason why it's Ness and Melee instead of Lucas, which I personally don't mind. The easiest way to calm down this argument is to put both Ness and Lucas in. It doesn't break the rules of having the original 12 returning and would make the Lucas fanboys be quiet. But then the question is, what will happen for movesets? Will Ness keep the same moves and Lucas be the one with new moveset? Though I would really like to see Ness with the same moves, I mean a lot. For keeping true to the Earthbound series, Sakurai will most likely give them to Lucas. But what will Ness use? I never played an Earthbound game, but knowing Ness's use for Bat and Yo-Yo, he could bring a few more toys like that, or give the current ones more uses. Walk the dog Final Smash anyone? Despite everything I said, this all really holds true to the rumor being true. Like DDD, if it is true, a Lucas update can be expected. But if not... There would be cooler characters to play as from the Earthbound series. I personally would rather whoop you with poo. Anyone remember episode 4 of Show Me Your News? If not, I had a head-to-head -head challenge featuring Wolf O'Donnell and Falco Lombardi. But in that, I also mentioned another character. You know who she is? Well, I'll give you a hint. She's a furry. Yes, Crystal, appearing in the latest Star Fox games. If you ever played any of them, or heck, if you've ever been on Smashboards for a single day, you've probably seen and heard all about this blue beauty. Her weapon of choice, being a staff, she would fit very well in the world of Smash as a very unique character. When I think of her, I think Pit without wings, since his bow is able to be used as a double-edged sword. But would the staff serve as her only weapon? Sure, I mean Donatello only used the staff, not counting Shuriken. Back on topic, Crystal would be a nice addition. If she could use her staff with the same elegance of Mirth's sword, she would turn out very nice. But then the question comes what special moves could a soul staff user have? She could use it like Link's boomerang, scratch the tornado, otherwise use your imagination. According to the Brawl by the Numbers thread, it says that we should expect about 35 characters, stating around 12 or so being unlockable. Of course, Sakurai could give us more or less than that, but this is just being reasonable. Assuming Falco will return, we are left with Wolf and Crystal. There are three questions we can ask here. Can they both be in? Will only one be in? Will either of them be in? All these are good questions, even the last one. There doesn't have to be another Star Fox character. He can just give Falco a new moveset and leave it at that, as he's trying to push new series, such as Animal Crossing, Kid Icarus, and Metal Gear Solid, to name a few. But let's put me to the test. If only one of them can make it, who will be it? I'll try to put my opinions to the side as much as I can. I'll use the R-A-T, or RAT, technique to do this. First up is roles, the R in RAT. Which character has the bigger role in the Star Fox games? 
Wolf killed Fox's dad, I believe, and is Fox's arch rival, besides Andros. Crystal, on the other hand, was just a new teammate on Fox's team, plus his assumed love interest. Wolf obviously scores higher. A stands for appearances. Wolf appeared in almost every Star Fox game, if not all, while Crystal appeared in the last few. Score 2 for Wolf. Finally, T for techniques. As covered already, Crystal easily outclasses Wolf in almost every aspect. Finishing the rant off, Crystal has nice chances, about as good as Wolf. It would be awesome to have this girl, and not only in the perverted aspect. But remember, there are other characters that outclass her in chances. Captain Olimar, DDD, and... Uh, heck, Crystal has pretty good chances. Now this last one is tough, as there are so many things showing he has a good chance, but one major downside. I would like to say I'm his biggest supporter, but I also want to say that about Sonic. Who is this mysterious fighter? Lucario, the Aura Pokemon. In my opinion, him and Deoxys had the best chance. Unfortunately though, Deoxys had already been confirmed to join Groudon, Goldeen, and Chikorita in Pokeballs. What gives Lucario a better chance than other Pokemon? <coughs> Mew! First is the movie, Lucario and the Mystery of Mew. In this, he was looking for his master, Sir Aaron. Teaming up with Ash and the gang, he finally found memories of him in Time Flowers. Lucario, at the end, gives up his life to save the kingdom and be with his friend. Unlike other Pokemon movies, the star, Lucario, isn't a legendary. But this is just a little backstory on him. In Brawl, he would use his fists and feet, obviously, combined with some of his attacks in the movie, as well as the Diamond and Pearl video games. His signature move would be Aura Sphere, a blue, faster, but weaker Shadow Ball. Others would be Sky Replica as Recovery, Mock Punch as a Smash Bee, whatever. He's a very versatile character. But what is really the biggest thing heard in Lucario's chances? Two words. Pokemon Trainer. Anybody remember the anti-Lucario, pro-Squirtle thread? They got Squirtle, and not in a Pokeball, but a playable character? Come on, I love Squirtle as much as the next guy, but this really got my hopes down. Pokemon Trainer only uses Pokemon from the first generation. Pikachu and Jigglypuff are also from the first generation, and if Mewtwo returns, so is he. Soccer, I should know this is stupid. While many people believe that the first generation is the best, there are great Pokemon in the other games too, Lucario being one of the best. As quoted by Yoko, Lucario is one of Pokemon's most marketable assets. Not including him, or any other second, third, or fourth gen Pokemon would be a very bad move. Lucario is probably the most wanted new Pokemon, if not he's still got one of the best chances. As long as the fourth generation of Pokemon didn't arrive too late, all I can say for us Lucario fans is to have hope. He's starting to look bleak, but hopefully it's just another one of Sakurai's mind games. I'm sure Sakurai will pull through for us though. Wow, that last review really got me down. I didn't expect that. I ranted on a lot about him, but it's hard not to when he's one of my most wanted characters. Sorry guys. Anyways, I think this is my best session by far. With 8 pages of script, it better be good. But, don't feel obliged to agree. I really like to hear what all of you guys have to say. 
So please, post in the Show Me Your News discussion thread, or you can post in the Smash blog thread, S-M-Y-N, episode 10. But, you know, I prefer the first one. You guys know all the routines by now, right? Also, I feel that there really isn't enough community involvement in who's in, as I really want there to be. So, this is how the next episode will go. You guys must PM me, Sariku.Uchiha, with the characters you want reviewed most. The top three gets it. But if I don't get any, looks like there might not be another episode. Not really, but I'd prefer you guys to get more involved. You don't need a mic, or a script, or anything. Just PM me with your hopes. With nothing else to say, I'll apologize for how long this was to Yoko, and that's it. With that, I'm Sariku, and I'm out. Very nice job, Sariku. The only thing that caught my attention was I'm pretty sure that Wolf didn't in fact take down James McCloud. That sounds like more of Andross's doing. Wolf was hired by Andross to take down Fox. But anyway, you did a really great job of researching a lot of things. This was the best week yet. Alright, now it's time to begin this week's... Brawl Viewpoint. This week's Brawl Viewpoint comes to us from Snacks. We've seen a lot about the Subspace Emissary, but Snacks sent in his text-based Brawl Viewpoint, trying to summarize it all and make his predictions for what may come next. Hello fellow Smashers, I'm Snacks, and I'm here to give you all my opinion and speculation on the Subspace Emissary mode of Super Smash Bros. Brawl. I've always been interested in what a story mode would be like ever since Melee came out, and when I saw that this world update, I jumped in excitement over the possible storyline in the Smash world. Ever since then, I've been analyzing these adventure mode updates very closely, looking for any story aspects, and so far, I've developed some well-thought-out opinions. There have been a lot of great ideas coming from the boards about various aspects of the Subspace Emissary updates we've been given so far, and many questions that need to be answered, like what happens to the other princess that you don't rescue from Petey Piranha, and what about the other variations of Primid? And what the heck does the ancient minister do besides dropping a giant subspace bomb? So I'll get right to it. One thing I've been wondering is what is going to happen with the other characters in the roster? Would you be able to pick a character to go through the whole thing like we did in the melee adventure mode? That's what my first theory was, but now as the updates have progressed, I'm starting to think that's not the case. I think that no matter what, even if the storyline can branch out to different endings with different characters, you always start out the story by choosing between Kirby and Mario. Now these next parts of the story have been suggested before, so I will not claim these as mine, but the idea is that once you choose a character, let's say for confusion's sake we chose Kirby, before the halberd comes flying in, you have to fight Mario. This part will turn into a tutorial for Brawl. Once that is finished, the halberd flies into the stadium and we all know what happens next. So supposedly you'll fight off the Primid with the help of Mario, Zelda, and Peach. Then in the next cinematic, the ancient minister drops the bomb, Mario goes to stop it and fails, and Petey Piranha traps the princesses. So here's the first boss fight. Sakurai explained this himself, so I won't get into that. Let's say that since it's already in the screenshots, we saved Zelda with Kirby, so we couldn't save the stadium from the bomb, so Peach will get sucked in into subspace, where you'll have to save her, and possibly the others, later. Here's where my theory comes into play, and Monday's video of Pit's Descent supports it. Eh, somewhat. You'll stop playing as Kirby and play as Pit in the next part, Pit's Descent. Now you're pitted, no pun intended, against an aerial assault by another version of the Primid. The idea is that you'll eventually play as every character you have available to play, and every time you unlock a character, you'll either have options in several places in the story to play another piece of the story with a newly unlocked character, or it'll stay the same whether you unlock new characters or not. 
I've also thought about the possibility of unlocking characters by going through the story, like you have to rescue Solid Snake, which seems like a pretty funny idea to me. And if you can do that, you've unlocked him. This seems very logical, I agree with it, but if this is the case, I don't think Sakurai will do this scenario with every character, just a few. Now what about the Ancient Minister? A lot of people have been saying that Master and Crazy Hand belong to him, and while this theory is perfectly logical, I have a feeling that that's not the case. If someone was controlling the hands, I don't think it'd be this guy. I think it'd be more logical to go back to the old theory that the hands belong to a child and that the ancient minister is just a pawn of Master and Crazy Hand. I think of it as the ancient minister being one of those Matryoshka dolls, aka nested dolls, those Russian dolls that stack inside each other. That's what he reminds me of. So basically, in my theory, he's nothing more than another toy to Master and Crazy Hand, one that they have under their complete control. The Halberd has been in subspace discussion a lot. What in the world is the Ancient Minister doing flying Meta Knight's ship? Some believe the Halberd was stolen from Meta Knight. Others think he's in on the plot and helping out the Ancient Minister. I think the second one is correct, but I think there's a little more to it than that. I think that Meta Knight is not really willingly aiding the Ancient Minister, but he's being brainwashed by him, and that's why Master and Crazy Hand decided to use the Ancient Minister in their plot, because of his supposed brainwashing ability. I'll go as far as to bet that he even has most of the playable villains under his control, and maybe even some heroes and heroines, using their abilities and technology to his advantage. I'd like to also speculate as to why the Ancient Minister, supposedly under Master and Crazy Hand's control, would want to bring the characters to subspace when the trophies break the rules and what the story could possibly develop into. I think that the characters around the world, or maybe separate worlds, are just starting to realize that they are merely guinea pigs for Master Hand's amusement and they're starting to rebel. Now, Master Hands needs to control all the chaos that is predicted to ensue if the rebelling continues and builds, so he needs to stop this. Since he is probably confined to his realm of final destination, which is basically the center of subspace, he needs someone on his behalf to see his plan through, so he makes the Ancient Minister do it. Where the Ancient Minister comes from, I don't have the slightest clue, so I'll say that for theory's sake, that he's Master Hand's creation. Master Hand's plan is to bring all of the fighters into subspace, the only place where he has the ability to completely control the will of its inhabitants, but only if he has knowledge of their existence within subspace. I.e., if a character were to sneak into subspace somehow without Master Hand knowing, that character would not be under the influence of Master Hand. So the Ancient Minister must travel to each destination where fighters have broken the rules and plant a subspace bomb. The objective for each character is to try to stop the bombs from going off and save those who have already been brought to subspace by force. So that is my speculation of the Subspace Emissary. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and I look forward to hearing your opinions on my theory. I'd also like to thank Yoko for letting me voice my opinion on this subject. So with that said, this is Snacks, and I'll see you on the boards. Awesome job there, Snacks! While it really is just speculation at the moment, that was a really well thought out look at the potential for this mode. That'll do it for this week's... Brawl Viewpoint. Would you like to hear your brawl opinions and views played here on Show Me Your News? Send a WAVE, MP3, or a WMA file with you discussing a topic of your choosing to dojopodcast at gmail.com. That's D-O-J-O-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. And you may hear your voice and rant featured and heard as the next Brawl Viewpoint. You may also get your views heard by sending your discussion in text format to dojopodcast at gmail.com to have Yoko read your opinions on the air. Suggested length for discussion is roughly 1.5 to 2 pages in length, single-spaced. Submissions will be taken through the Friday before the episode's premiere. And that's all for this week's episode of Show Me Your News. 
I'd like to personally thank Snacks for sending in his brawl viewpoint, and Sariku Uchiha for keeping up the great work on Who's In. Make sure you PM him with suggestions. I'm always in need of your viewpoint, so please don't be afraid to send them on in either. My name is Yoko, and you can either post on the Show Me Your News topic and general brawl discussion, private message me, or email me at dojopodcast at gmail.com for feedback and suggestions for next time. Next week, like every week, I'll go over the week that was on smashbros.com. Thinking more about gliding last week, I think we really need to see crawling soon. If not this week, then we'll probably get a basic level how to play update at some point. With that, I'm Yoko, and I'm out. This has been Show Me Your News, your weekly weekend podcasting source recapping the biggest news in anticipation of Super Smash Bros. Brawl. All support comes from Smash World Forums at Smashboards.com and the Smash Brothers blog at www.smashbrawl.com. This week's shout-out goes to Silver777. He drew an awesome pick and posted it in the thread, and I never got a chance to say it, but that really made my week. Thanks a lot, man. Show me a new! Hey, Sakurai, this is my music. I hope you all enjoy my original arrangement of something I like to call the Hero of Time Overture. Mm -hmm.